Oh, good. Well, good morning, gentlemen. Sometimes bios are, are not all that is stretched out to be. It's just some information. But the real thing is relationship with the Father. And um, there's a story of a rabbi, a pastor, and a priest. <laughs> I guess you know where I'm going. But when you get that combination, it it's, could be combustible and good. But here it is. They decided to take a stroll in the woods, and um, it began to get hot, as it is in Florida. And they saw a nice lake. They said, well, guys, let's go skinny dipping. So they got all undressed, got into the pool, and were refreshed, came out. Somebody moved their clothes. Meanwhile, just a few minutes away, there was a women's convention. And some of the congregants started to walk down the trail, and they said, oh, my God, what am I going to do? So the pastor and the priest covered their face. No, covered their parts. And the rabbi covered, covered his parts and left his face revealed. No, man, no, sorry, he covered his face. And the other two passed, the pastor and the priest covered their male parts. So as the ladies were passing, they were greeting the other pastor and the priest, and they didn't know who the rabbi was because he covered his face. So after that shameful event passed, the, the pastor and the priest asked the rabbi, why didn't you cover your parts? He says, well, gentlemen, I don't know in your congregation how your members recognize you, but in my congregation, they recognize me by my face. <laughs> so today, man, it's, it's how you're being recognized and what we have covered. But um, when Dave asked me to speak, and I, I chose the, the topic, intimacy with the Father, because today, as I begin to go through shortly as we wrap up here this morning, um, the reason why we have such an intimacy problem. And until this morning, um, I had something also to tie it in. I was just given, um, let me get my pen, Iron Man pen, for being here. And um, I was told the ban on the pen was faith, hope, and love. And... Um, because faith, the Bible talks about in Galatians 5, works by love. And I'm going to reveal that if we don't have the love of the Father, how could we walk as men of faith? And when Jesus spoke in Luke, he said, when I return, will I find faith in the earth? And this morning, as I'm going to ask the guys to roll a, a brief clip to um, share something with you. But as we look around in our society today, with you heard the stats about how many fatherless we've we've heard of the Parkland shooting, and by the way, if you check out all those stats, every school shooting, just check out the school shooter. It's a fractured father relationship. Just check out the 92% of the men that are on death row. It's a father relationship problem. Just check out those kids that are cutting themselves and committing suicide. It's a father issue. But what we have lost in the garden with our father, when Adam chose to rebel against the father, Jesus Christ, through obedience, 
restored back to us in the second garden. It is all about the garden relationship with the Father. But as I go into my message this morning, I want to show a video of the power of when a man begins to stand in the gap for this fatherless generation and begins to impact by the father in love that the men and the young ladies of our society needs. Because when we look around our society today and we realize that one in three girls have lost their virginity to a man called father. One in four boys have lost their manhood to a man called father. Before you go losing it, it is a stepdad. Eight out of nine of those men that have uh, messed with these children are the stepdad. 95% of all divorce cases, who gets the custody of the child? Anybody knows? The mom. And then the mom brings a man that does not know and have the fatherly instinct of that child, and that child ends up being one of those damaging statistics that we deal with. But here it is in this clip. I'm going to preface it. It is the, um, the movie of Michael Orr. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, so the blind side. But you're going to see this clip in the movie. Um, I don't want to, to give it away, but if you haven't seen that clip, I'm going to ask the guys if it's cute. Is it queued up? Yes, sir. It's queued up. And just watch this um, three and a half minute clip.
is he just kicked my boy in the head and he cursed him. Thank you. Unsportsmanlike conduct. Wingate, 15 yards. What? You shut up, you get another 15. This young man plays for my team. My team. And I will defend him like he's my own son against you or any other redneck son of a bitch. Don't worry, Coach. I got you, back. Come here, son. Come here. Try Gap. Gap? Gap. All right. Young Rip, 47 Gap. On, on, on. Ready? Coach ain't here to protect you now, is he? Michael's been looking for a father figure, and he and that coach never really bonded. But at that moment when he accepted responsibility and stood in the gap and said, this boy could be my son, you saw the change in the game. Jesus, before he went into the desert 40 days and 40 nights, after he was baptized in Matthew 3, the Bible says, the Spirit of God ascended upon him, and he says, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Upon the affirmation of a father, that child now has fighting distance to make it through life. Jesus went 40 days and 40 nights, and we all know the story. But as I've seen throughout my ministry and what God has done, and when I got that download and, and mantle upon my life back in 96, I'm having my quiet time, and then all of a sudden I started to cry. I'm like, I'm not a guy given to tears. Most of you guys can relate to that. But then as, as the Holy Spirit began to deal with me and he says, what this is about, it is the mantle and the Father and Spirit upon me that he is to raise up men to stand in the gap. 
the whole relationship about the entire Bible the whole, that we read, uh, if we take that father component out, we've lost the whole reason for the story. Because the whole reason why we're here and we're going through all that we're going through, it is about the love of a father. It is the father lost relationship with his kids in the garden. He wanted back and he paid the ultimate price in the second garden so that he could be back in relationship with us. The whole Jewish appointments that we, we celebrate and we hear about what the Jews are celebrating today, it's not, those are not Jewish festivals. Those are actually the, the father's appointed feasts that he has appointed to, as a marker of his relationship and the seasons in which he's bringing us back to himself. The whole Bible is summed up in a story in Luke 15 where the Bible speaks about the prodigal son. That's our relationship with him. And within there, it has the seven seasons of the relationship in which we as men and as a society have lost our relationship with the Father and how he has restored it. And those are all outlined um, in Leviticus 23, God's seven, seven appointment. And um, I won't be able to unpack all of that stuff today. I want to keep to the main points. But as we look at the intimacy with the Father and how it has affected from the pulpit to the pew and um, the impact it has. We wonder why, as, as Dave and I are in men's ministry, why 98% of the churches may have a youth ministry but not a ministry to men. We wonder why the God of the universe wanted to reach one world. He sent one son, and his son spent his time with 12 men. And he said, I have no other plan. And uh, one of the pastors I've ministered to pastored a large church, and um, we were having lunch, and I began to address his father issue. Because if, if, a, if a pastor doesn't have an intimate relationship with the father, how far could he take the men in his church? And the reason why a lot of pastors are intimidated by the men is because they've never had their relationship with their own dad. So here it is. We're having this lunch appointment, and... Um, began to address his intimidation of one of his deacon elders in his, in his church. And um, I don't want to call his name, but he said, tell me about your dad. And so at six years old, when, he, when his dad comes home, he had to run and hide in the closet because his dad would come and abuse him and, and abuse his mom. So that deacon reminded him of his father. So every time he would tell him to tweak his messages, he would shrink back from his preaching and follow the direction of that deacon. And as we began to address that root from his dad and began to forgive his dad for what his dad did, it turned everything around and it changed his preaching. And um, now it changes relationship and how he can relate to men. But coming back now to the story, why is that father relationship so important? We wonder why as, as dads, how many dads do we have in the room here today? We wonder why as dads, when our kids come home with a report card, they can show mom, they can show their friends. But until dad says, add a boy or add a girl, it is never quenched. The father brings the capstone blessing, the capstone sealing of approval in a child's life. Now, why is that? Why did God wire it that way? Um, if you have your, your Bibles, you might want to just make a note about um, Proverbs 17, 6. 
Proverbs talk about in 17.6, it says, the glory of a child is their father. That word glory in the Hebrew and um, tiparet, which talks about it's the splendor, the ornament. That's why the Bible talks about when Israel sinned, God said to remove your jewelry. So in other words, imagine Johnny who's seven, seven years old. He has a huge trophy that he won in, in Little League. And you brought that home. He loves that trophy. He paid the price. And somebody crushed that trophy on the floor. Right in front of his face and said, you're no good. That is what you do when you remove the father figure out of a child's life. And so therefore, the glory is the oxygen for our soul that brings that ultimate capstone healing in our lives. And when that was broken in the garden, could you imagine before Adam rebelled, because Eve was tricked, but Adam willfully rebelled against the father. And when that happened, that relationship changed. And we saw that the first son, Cain, why did Cain kill Abel? Because Cain was looking for the approval from the father. And he never got it. Because without the approval and the acceptance of the father, his oxygen hose for his soul was crushed. And he couldn't find it outside of being obedient to the father. Jesus in John 17, 12 hours before he went to the cross, he said, Father... I have finished the work you've given me to do. Now glorify your son with the glory that I had before the world was. Now here it is. He is about to go to the cross, pay the ultimate price. He's already settled his relationship in the garden where he says, Father, if it's possible, let his cup pass. See, men in our lives, we all have a cup that we have to drink. And it is our decision, are we going to choose the first Adam that rebelled and rejected that cup, or are we going to be like the second Adam, or a Lord and Savior that said, Father, if, it were your, if it's possible, let this cup pass. But the Father knew that the only way he could be back in relationship with us, it is by him having that cup. He said in Hebrews, he said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You know what was the joy set before him? Us. Being back in relationship with us. He paid the ultimate price so that we could be back in that garden fellowship relationship with the Father. And that first appointment that he has there in Leviticus 23 was Passover. Passover is the ultimate price that Jesus paid when he was that blemishless lamb that paid the ultimate price to bring us back into fellowship with the, with the Father. The next appointment is in Deuteronomy, talks about there are three times that God calls us as men to himself. He says it is the Feast of Unleveled Bread, which was the second feast. Unleveled Bread is when he calls us to get our lives together. In the Jewish culture, when there's unleveled bread, they, they sweep all the yeast out of the house, if anybody lived next to a Jewish community in, in um, New York or wherever it may be, I grew up in, in, in New York, and you would have the neighbors will get all the yeast products because they have to get all the yeast out of the house. Yeast represents fermentation, corruption, sin. And, but he calls men on unleveled bread where we can get our acts together. The next appointment he calls us is Pentecost. 
Pentecost, as we know, that's when he empowers us. And the third one is Tabernacles, which is the final feast we're going to have, number seven. That is when he fellowships with us and at the table. That is why in the prodigal story, the older brother, which represents the Jewish nation, they did not want to come to the table because the father lavished his love on us that rebelled and braced us back in. So as we call us to those three appointments, God is telling men that we need to get our act together, but we cannot do that until we get our empowerment from him because he wants us to be back in ultimate fellowship with him. And today, as we look around in our society today, as we see the, the mass shootings in school, we're seeing what's going on in our society today with kids committing suicide. The cry of the heart is, where is my dad? Who is going to be involved in my life? And God is calling us as men to stand in the gap and be those men that we need to be for this generation. One story I wanted to share as we begin to ask God, God, if you want me to do a work in the inner city there in Sanford, I would like for you to send a man from that community that has the highest crime district in Sanford. So two days later, a man knocked at my door. He says, could you mentor me? I said, wow, that was fast. How many of you would like to get a two-day return on an answer to your prayer? And, um, but then God has a sense of humor. This guy came from a homosexual persuasion. And um, he lost his manhood when he was six years old by his dad. His dad said, um, this is how I love you, my son. And um, so his whole image of what a father's love is was all skewed. And he was also um, doing some unsavory things for some local uh, preachers in the community. And so here it is now, another, another preacher guy is picking him up and uh, began mentoring him. And the Lord impressed me to pray over this young man. I prayed over and anointed his head, his hands, and his mouth. And um, then he said, what did you do to me? I cannot go back and do what I did before. And, um, but then he thought that I didn't love him because I didn't do what his father did to him. Because that's a ma- that was his measure of a father's love. And as the Lord began to work with him and he began to be restored and healed in the areas where he was wounded and we began to put other godly men in his life. But just to show the woundedness in the hearts and lives of men that they're looking for a father that can model to them the true image of a heavenly father. And as we began to mentor this young man and um, see his life begin to be restored, I said, Lord, now we need a facility that we can facilitate the healing of these young men. And the Lord opened up a door and we began reaching out to that community. We saw within a one-year period, reaching out to that high crime neighborhood, we saw the crime drop by about 50%. And as I reached out to one of the top drug dealers in the community, um, again, who are you looking for? We're looking for a dad. I began to talk with this, with this man, build a relationship. He turned off his phone for about two hours, missing a lot of calls for clients because they're the local entrepreneur. And a couple weeks later, we had some computers that were donated to the center were stolen. 
And he knocked on my office and he says, Yo, Rev, um, are you missing some computers? I said, Yep. He said, Well, here are the two young men that took them. And he brought the computers back and he brought the two young men. And he says, Let them do community service. Anytime now he drives past and sees me, he pulls over and he has to say hi. They're looking for a father's relationship. And as we begin to, as men, begin to intentionally engage in the lives of these young men and begin to impact, fatherlessness is no respect to a person. And the impact goes very deep. We look at men today, for example, what marred um, just... Recently, we just had O.J. Simpson released from prison. And um, what marred him when he walked in one day and he found his father with another man? Messed him up, the, the big turn in his life, because the father brings the capstone approval in your life. And when that image is marred, the whole image of the Heavenly Father is marred, and you stop receiving the impartation of the father. And as we begin to see how this impacts from generation to generation, as I look back right now to um, one of the young men that I was able to impact back in Brooklyn, when he was fooling around with a gun, um, that story is on, is on our website, but just to show the impact of what the father impact was in his life, um, at 16 years old, he was fooling around with a gun upstairs in the apartment where my son was being um, babysat, and pulled the trigger and shot uh, one of our church members right in her throat, killed her on the spot. And he threw the gun and hid, and as I'm about to turn him into the police department, he says, could you do one thing for me? Could you take me to my dad's house? And I took him to his dad's house, knocked on the door, explained what happened. He's, the last word this young man heard before he went to jail was, I have no son. His father met him at the door. That tore him up. Because he grew up seeing his dad abuse his mom and left the family. And, um, but to fast track that story, um, my sister fell in love with this young man when he was released. And they got married. And guess what? That same principle, what he saw did to his mom, he did to her. And now she's a single mom. And so that impact, that principle also goes back to the story of Noah. When you remember when Noah got drunk and his son Ham saw what the father did. And instead of covering and, and not exposing his father's nakedness, the Bible says Ham exposed and spoke about his dad. And when Noah came to himself, the Bible says, um, cursed is Canaan, which is his grandson of um, Ham. Because the principle of iniquity, what the father has done will impact your children to the third and fourth generation, to them that are in rebellion against the Father. The impact of that, and if you look through Scripture, how the impact of Canaan has impacted and been a thorn in the flesh to the children of Israel throughout the Bible. But then the Bible says, um, um, Shem and Japheth covered their father's nakedness. Symbolically, the Bible talks about love covers what? A multitude of sin. Today, we have men right here who may not have grown up with a dad. So you have a blank slate. You don't know what a, the father relationship is about. I've dealt with a lot of men that have that same image in their lives. Some of you might have grown up with a father that was verbally abusive. And 
you just want to cringe anytime you hear those words. And God wants to heal those wounds. But he's calling us as men to cover and forgive the sins of our fathers so we can embrace and become healed in our relationship with the Heavenly Father. Because what stands between us of the bad relationship with our dad and that with our Heavenly Father, it is our ability to forgive our earthly dads for what they have done. Because how could we have faith and trust in a father, a Heavenly Father, when we cannot trust our earthly father? When I ask you to close your eyes and think about your dad, all kinds of images will come to your mind. The reason why God wanted that heal because you'll have a marred image of who he is. How many of us here, how many prayers are being prayed to Jesus and not to the Father? Anytime I turn on the television and, and go into many services, all the prayers are directed to Jesus. And what did Jesus teach us? How did he teach us to pray? To who? To him or to the Father? It's always to the Father. And in, in 2 Corinthians, the Father says, I was in my son reconciling you back to myself. All the prayers are directed not to Jesus. He says, direct all your prayers to the Father in my name. The reason why that is, we can more relate to Jesus because he was the suffering servant we can relate with. That's why he says, I was touched by the very feelings of all your infirmities. But when you check our prayers, we always pray to Jesus, not to the Father. Because that very word will turn our hearts based on our relationship. But my relationship with my dad was great. So that is why I'm able to speak and to stand in faith and step out with a, with a different level of boldness than men that have had that marred image with their, heavenly, with their earthly father. Because there's a difference in your faith walk. That is why Paul was talking about faith works by love. The degree of our love. The greatest love is the love of a father. I, said, I thought it was the love of the mom. No, it was the love of the father. Because the father has the quenching love that satisfies and so unseals that love in our hearts. That is why a man will do all he can. We look at the story of um, Jacob and Esau to the depth because um, Esau did not get the father's blessing. What did he do? The Bible says he did everything that displeased his father because that yearning for the father's approval. We can go all the way through and we can see the impact of the father relationship with the sons. Look at Joseph and his father. Because Joseph was his favorite son, Joseph was able to endure all the hardship. And we go through all scripture and we're able to see the impact of that relationship with the father. And as we're looking now to walk by faith, this is a walk of faith. And if our images of our fathers marred, we will not have the opportunity to be as strong in our faith in our relationship with the father. And in wrapping up with the, one of the men that we dealt with, we had our men's ministry house in Sanford. And um, one of the men who was divorced six times. And um, so here he is. He was on his seventh marriage and he was in our house. And I began to deal with him and his father's relationship. And his dad was also divorced about five or six times and a very bad relationship. 
And I pray the Father's blessing over him. This is my first time I, I've done it to this degree with this young man. Uh, not a young man. He was in his um, Ford, late 40s. And for two days, he couldn't go to work. So his wife called me and says, what did you do? I said, all I knew, I just prayed the Father's blessing over him. I didn't know to the degree of what it will do in his individual life. For two days, the Lord dealt with him. He couldn't even, he was um, drowsy and um, you would call that drunk in the spirit for those who know what that means. Um, but this young man, God did a deep work in his life. For two days, he couldn't go to work. And the Lord began to heal his heart in his relationship. He's on his seventh marriage. And today, until we begin to deal with those areas in our lives that God has put there to begin to bring those relationship wounds to the point where he could be healed. And um, this young man now is totally transformed and is totally different. And um, as we look at one more scenario before... I wrap this up. In the story with the prodigal son, we saw when he left home and his relationship became changed with his dad. Today we've seen where men are in this transition from leaving home where most of them are probably asked to leave by a stepdad and their image of that is marred of a father. But here it is, the prodigal son the seven stages he went through was first the rebellion stage. And then after he rebellion, then he, he showed his life was ruined in the sense of he got involved in all the unrighteous things. Then we found out he came to himself and he began to realize that I'm not only looking up at the bottom of the bucket, but I'm eating the things that I should not even be touching as a man. And he came to himself at the end and then we see the repentance in his heart. When his heart says, I'm going to go back to my father. And then now we're going to see the reconciliation as he went back to the father. In the Jewish culture, when a grown man runs, the Bible says the father looked out for him for when his son will return. That is a parallel of when Jesus went to the cross. When he saw his father and his father ran and kissed him, for the Jewish man to run at that age is the greatest humility that he can model. And Jesus modeled that at the cross when he went and he humbled himself to the cross and took up that mantle so he can be back in relationship with us. And as Jesus said in John 17, 22, he says, Father, the glory you have given me, I have now given you. So as men, he has imparted that glory to us. But what is that glory? That is the glory the glory of a suffering servant, where we now have the mantle to take that image of the Heavenly Father to this generation. And he said he's given us the ministry of reconciliation, where he wants us now to go and reconcile other men back to him. So we have a mandate and we have a call to go and begin to be reconcilers to the Father, of bringing that relationship. So first, we need to be reconciled with him by covering the sins of our own father in what they have committed against us. And whatever that is, God has called us. He hasn't suggested. He has commanded us to forgive because the reason why he commands us is that so if we have that spirit of rebellion, it needs to be addressed. The Bible is not a book of suggestions. It's a book of commands. 
because to see if we're going to be like his son in the second garden that says through obedience he obeyed the father he says to the obedience of the cross that he paid the ultimate price so we have that option to rebel or not to rebel or to obey because what we've lost the bible says by one man's disobedience many became unrighteous but by one man's obedience many became righteous so we now have that that power to obey the father's will and he says, faith works by love, but he also said, if you love me in John 14, you will do what I say. You'll keep my commandments. And so therefore, he has called us as men to step out and to obey and to follow his will and to do what he's called us to do. And as the son came back and the father embraced him and he restored a ring on his finger, which means the authority. He put a robe on his back, the shoes on his feet, but then the final appointment, which is tabernacles and to sit at a table, was when the father prepared a feast. Because when you have that feast, is the ultimate healing, which is known as the father's table. And the father invited him there. And for those who are not willing to be reconciled, they will not come to the table. That's why every president of the United States, you've always heard what is always, they're trying to get the Israelites and the Palestinians to come to what? the peace table. And David said in Psalm 23, you prepared a table in the, in the presence of my enemies, the ultimate place of reconciliation. So as fathers, and on Father's Day, um, you need to have those times of reconciliation, the ultimate time of healing, because the, the, the last appointment that God has ordained is that at the table where we tabernacle with him forever. Because don't forget, he came down in the cool of the day and had fellowship with Adam and Eve in the garden. And the father lost that in the first garden. But in the second garden, that was restored. So we are called as men to stand in the gap to bring back that healing in our lives so that when he returns, we'll have faith in the world. And the reason why these young men and women cannot have faith in God, and we're looking at why we have so many young men and women leave in the church, it's because they have heard Christ, about Christ, but they haven't seen him modeled in our homes. Why is atheism and, and the agnostics so high? It's because they have heard about Christianity, about this Christ, but they haven't seen him modeled. Paul says, we are the epistles in flesh. We might prefer reading the Bible, but why don't we be the Bible in flesh? And on close, we had one man, we did an outreach on UCF campus, and this young man was shaking his head and, and uh, making all kind of gestures at a preacher that was preaching. And I walked up to him and uh, asked him, uh, how is he doing? He says, you Christian guys, you guys are a bunch of hypocrites, I'm an atheist and all that stuff. And um, I went straight to the source. The word father also means source. And, um, and again, at six years old, he used to run from his dad. His dad used to abuse him and abuse his mom. And I said, did you know that your dad was abused by your granddad? And he said, yeah, how did you know that? He says, yep. And um, I said, your dad was looking for the same affirmation from his father that you never got. And I said, he couldn't give you what he never received. 
And by changing his anger and putting his dad now as a six-year-old, that he now felt sympathy for his dad because his dad never had what he was looking for. And I was able to lead him to Christ and plug him into a local church there in Kissimmee. But I always have a saying, we have no atheists. We just have people with a marred father image. And if we can model the image of the father and reveal that to this generation, they will be so attracted to the heavenly father that they will not be able to resist his love and kindness towards them. Right? We think that God is waiting with a baseball bat. He's waiting with his arms open wide. In Romans, in the midst of all the mess that the Romans were going through with all of their um, ungodly lifestyle, he says, it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. David says in Psalm 18, he says, it is your gentleness that made me great. So it is not with our bulldog approach, with our baseball approach. It was the love of a heavenly father. And as Abraham said, how could I stand in the gap for Sodom and Gomorrah and make a difference. He started off with 50, and God said, if I find 50, I would spare that city. And he worked all his way down to 10. God said, if I found 10, I will still spare that city. Couldn't find 10. Do you know why Sodom and Gomorrah was, was, was destroyed? Isaiah 1 talks about it, because they did not take care of the orphan, the fatherless, and the widow because he became self-indulged because of the father, the love of the father issue that went on there. But then again, in Ezekiel 22, he said, if I found one man to stand in the gap, I will spare that city. Abraham stopped at 10, God stopped at one. You and God are a majority. So today, men, we can stand in the gap and make a difference in our society and bring the healing of the power of God in our lives. So thank you and God bless.